moving so fast. Come now, PJ. You said you like NASCAR, didn't you? And why are you talking like that? The question you should be asking is if we can time this jump and land on that barge. <laughs> oh my god! Bone fire. I demand to know what is going on. That's a fair question. What I can tell you is that according to that countdown clock, we have five minutes before this whole rig blows. What? Stop being a lily logger. We're gonna find someone and make them talk. That hatch looks promising. Follow me. observation, and that this is a room that I control. Consigliere Nick, thank goodness you're here. There's a bomb on the ship, and you can help us figure out what's going on. And... You're two steps behind, PJ. This is my ship, and that is my bomb. You're a madman, Constable. Marco, why are you talking like that? Yeah, seriously, man. Why? Well... I got this cryptic email from the Team Weekend account that said to meet on the ship by sundown. I didn't really know what time sundown was, so then I lost track of time altogether. The next thing I knew, there was barely any light in the sky, so we had to race over here to make it in time. Oh, and uh, sorry I had to crash into your ship. Yeah, you knocked out my satellite, which was very expensive. However, I am willing to waive those charges in exchange for hosting another installment of the Guilty Pleasures segment. Deal. Let me get this straight. We nearly died crashing onto a barge just because you read some anonymous email saying we had to meet on a ship by sundown? Yeah. Ugh. You're the worst, Marco. Also, you never explained that accent. Why do I have to explain this, PJ? Can I just have a thing? You accept that? Face value? Hey guys, uh, there's still that bomb. In a minute, consigliere. I gotta deal with this wannabe bond. To detonation. Wannabe? Don't be daft. I'm my old man. It's my bomb and I take full responsibility, but uh, I can't disarm it and could use your help, guys. Your old man, huh? You can barely drive a car, let alone the weaker cycle. Why must you always bring up the weakest cycle? How many times can I possibly say I'm sorry? Guys, I don't want to intervene, but this bomb is going to blow. I'm jumping overboard. You guys are on your own. Ha. Good luck. See? You lost the accent. I knew you couldn't keep it up forever. I was never trying to do it forever. It was a really good flow. I'm just trying to ride it out. It's not surfing. Don't act like you understand. You'll never understand. It's impossible to talk to you. It's impossible for you to listen. Initiate self-destruction sequence.
Well consigliere, they are in stable condition from the blast. They could wake up at any moment, or years. My analysis has been inconclusive thus far. Oh, really? I, oh, I mean, uh, that's good. Good! Great! Your human emotion is inspiring. I will give you some time to watch their comatose bodies. Thank you, Doctor. Well, if the bomb couldn't take you out, I'll have to do the dirty work myself. Now, which one of these plugs is the plug? Ah, here we are. I was charging, you fool. Um, who said that? It smells like burnt waffles? Oh, uh, hey guys, welcome back to life. Were you here the whole time? Wow, you're like our guardian angel. Yes, that is an accurate description. Why are you holding that plug? Did you unplug Dr. Robot? Well, yes, but there are so few outlets in the hospital room, and my phone was at 40%, so I was just trying to be proactive, I suppose. Consigliere. We may have been in a coma for four weeks. Four hours. Four hours. But something is fishy. Were you trying to kill us? No. Be honest. Uh, yeah. But it's been forever since we've done the guilty pleasure segment. It's only been two episodes. Well, I still panicked, and I thought it was never going to happen. So I plan to kill you and take full control of the show. We appreciate your honesty, but murder is never the answer. If you promise not to kill us again, we can call a truce and act like this never happened. Thank you both for understanding. Now, let's get out of this hospital and record that segment. Yeah! So what happened to our clothes? Do we have to wear these gowns all the... Hey, did you hear something? Keep walking, and do not look back. Great attitude, consigliere. Hit it. Ten years in the making. Team Weekend is back. A lot of things have changed since our debut on local radio. Did somebody say podcast? Podcast. Yeah. But no matter how much things change, one question remains. You want a piece of my heart? What did you say? You gotta start from the start. You're speaking nonsense. You wanna be in the show? I am in the show. I'm a co-host. Come on, baby. Let's go. Baby? What are you calling baby right now? Wait, wait. Have we just been quoting Loverboy's Working for the Weekend? This whole time? No. Everybody's working for the weekend. Yeah. It's time for the weekend. Everyone's watching. That music never gets old, and that's because it's the start of another podcast. It's Team Weekend again here, folks, and it's time for a brand new episode. In fact, it's episode number 
Number seven. Oh yeah, yeah. I, you're right. But this is a special episode, Marco. Remember that whole accent thing? Yeah, yeah. Seven is a lucky number in most cultures. So you, yeah, and it's also a terrible hand when it's compared with when it's combined with two. Seven two is a terrible poker hand. None of this matters, Marco, because you know it's a themed episode. Oh yes, yes, yes. Seven theme intro shaken not stirred any of this ringing Uh, oh 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 oh. yeah okay okay you had his accent you literally spoke in an english accent that whole skit and drove me nuts scottish scottish yeah well okay yeah good point okay yeah i'll come clean i i definitely knew what you were talking about this whole time it is a james bond themed episode of the weekend hacha yes 007 folks that's right episode 7 007 you get the joke we're great at this. <laughs> yes, you know you're good when you have to tell the audience that you're good. Great point, Marco. So let's tell the folks what we got in store here because this is going to be great. You know, we all love James Bond movies. I'm not sure. When's the last time you saw the James Bond movie, Marco? The last one was the one I saw in theaters with Skyfall, but I have seen every movie. I've read some of the books. Lots of material to pull from, so... Well, everything we're going to weave through our normal segments and make this a special themed episode. And that's right, Marco. The first segment is going to bring back our favorite guy, Consigliere Nick, with a James Bond special, Guilty Pleasures. Lots of songs and James Bond, so we'll have his hands full and we'll have our hands full making verdicts. I'm curious to see if there's any actual guilty pleasures in that mix. I love a lot of that music. Are you going to feel guilty about it? We'll find out here in a few minutes. But then... We gotta also pair that one off with another segment. It'll be the second time this one's come back, also, Marco. Guess the sound. Yes. Our favorite game show and possibly our only game show at this moment. We're gonna break out all those classic sounds from Bond and try and figure out exactly what the heck they are. It's PJ's favorite because he claims he is 1 0 in the standings, while I claim that it's not a competition, it's a learning exercise. We'll keep the knowledge going with Guess the Sound. Yes, and we'll keep the audio fun and, you know, fun with movies. (laughs) So much fun. Yes. It's so much fun. (laughs) Needed another adjective there. But you know what we don't need is another Bond movie. There are plenty to pick from. And we've picked four clips from all the Bond movies to talk about some very important questions about the series. You don't have to see the movies to appreciate these clips. Or this entire episode, frankly. That's a fact. You only have to hear them during the episode to kind of, you know, play along. That made sense. And we're going to close out with music. Ooh, making it smooth today here. With five songs of <laughs> songs apiece here. We got five songs once again, ten songs total. They're our favorite songs that we've heard since episode six, and there's some great ones out there. Absolutely. We've had, you know, probably a couple months to pick from, so a lot to cover. We just cannot contain our excitement. This is going to be a fun, action-packed episode. Oh, man, you stole the word right out of my mouth. Get ready for some more fun here with Guilty Pleasures. Due to legal obligations by PJ and Marco of the Team Weekend Podcast, 
We now present Guilty Pleasures with me, Consigliere Nick. We'll bring you three very fine songs to trial, where a jury of their peers will decide if a song is a guilty pleasure, pleasure, or just guilty. How can a song be guilty? Well, I'll be the judge of that. Now bring on the plaintiffs. Guilty Pleasure. And that brings us to the first segment of the episode. It's a classic. It's Guilty Pleasures. And Marco, we have the one and only bomb-making consigliere Nick in studio for it. Hey, guys. So we always like to be professional on the podcast. I mean, the intro, things got a little crazy, but, you know, we're here for business. And Nick, bring us the business. You got some songs, got some tracks, and we're going to adjudicate today we've got three songs and three potential rulings we could make with these three songs we've got guilty a guilty pleasure or it's just actually a good song you should like it also known as pleasure yeah that's a good point uh that would make the segment make much more sense exactly and today guys i got a special treat we're gonna dive into the world of james bond kind of in keeping with our theme here uh when i was tasked with this i really didn't didn't get a, have a full feel for uh, the whole scope of James, James Bond music, frankly. But really, there are quite a few songs. Uh, some of them are really good. Um, kind of diving through, you have your classics. You have the Goldfinger theme. That's kind of a classic I, my dad kind of introduced me to growing up. You, you have kind of the more recent classic songs. You have Adele doing Skyfall. That, I think, actually got mainstream attention on the, on the radio. You also have the late Chris Cornell did a song for the Casino Royale movie. That was well done. Yeah. But that's not what our segment is about. We live on the margins. And we dig deep to find <laughs> whether a song's guilty or a pleasure. So uh, I kind of pick songs we're kind of on the fringe and I think you're going to enjoy them at least discussing them and kind of what uh, we've done in the past and I think the way uh, it'll work best is I'm going to act as the attorney and I'm going to present uh, the arguments for both sides and you guys are going to be the judges and will give me your verdict after I present the arguments. Does that sound good to you guys? Guilty. Too early PJ. I haven't even presented the arguments. Okay, fine. It's it's our second time doing this, and we're still kind of working through it. And we got a theme, so a lot going through our heads right now. That's right. And why don't we get this started here, Consigliere? What's our first song? All right, boys. Court is in session. And the first one, we're diving straight into very just prototypical James Bond. Um, The first one is Thunderball by Tom Jones. Okay, so after listening to that, guys, this is just a classic, instantly recognizable James Bond song. You kind of got that big band sound in the background. Um, You have a booming ballad from Tom Jones, which is just kind of a character voice. 
Um, and it's accent, the whole song is accentuated throughout with just very classic James Bond music themes. I think they pretty much use every single one they, they can find. And it kind of caters to the James Bond cheesiness, I, I would say. And you would even you could even see this as being in a James Bond spoof. Like this would fit right into like an Austin Powers spoof or, or something like that. So I think that's kind of one of the things it has going for it. It's instantly recognizable. It kind of gives you that James Bond feel. On the other side, um, it doesn't feel very original. It's mostly just taking every James Bond theme and throwing it at there and then having throwing it in there and having Tom Jones just boom his voice out there. It's almost too spot on to the point where it, I don't know if it's, uh, it doesn't have any originality to it. Um, and I think that's where it's kind of spoofy and it kind of goes to it being kind of just a kind of a guilty song. But that's for you to decide. Now, is it, is that, that work towards it or is that work against it? How do you guys feel about that? Well, you laid out a very good argument, or I should say arguments. Um, I definitely agree that this has a very classic, I mean, James Bond is an old character. I mean, he started in like the, you know, post-World War II, 50s, Cold War. So this movie is from that time. You know, it takes you back to that original Bond era. And like Nick said, plenty of illusions, lots of, you know, tropes throughout it. Um, But I think the key here is Tom Jones. Before there was Mike Jones, there was Tom Jones. He's the real OG. (laughs) I'm with you 100% there, Marco. To me, the, the difference between okay Bond songs and great Bond songs is all about the performance by the singer usually. When you have a singer that just nails the song, and that's when you have an instant classic. I mean, from Adele to, uh, you know, this, Tom Jones. He's fantastic. This makes Bond, per- it, like, it fits the theme so perfectly. It, it doesn't matter if it's over the top, cheesy, or a, a replication of past songs. This is what I want when a, I listen to a Bond theme song. So he lays it down. So what's your guys' conclusion on this one? What's the judgment? Tom Jones is a pleasure. A complete pleasure. There's no guilt about it. Two pleasures for Tom Jones. I think he'll appreciate that one. He still got it, too. I would listen to him today singing this song, and I'd be very happy. Jury's out on that one for me. He's got to be pretty old. All right, I think the verdict is in. That is a pleasure. Thunderball, Tom Jones. All right, you know what? We're starting out here on a positive note, but let's see if that positive stroke continues here with song number two, Consigliere. What do we got? The next one, I actually picked a remake of a Bond song, and that is Live and Let Die by Guns N' Roses. Okay, so you guys know the original song for the movie was done by Paul McCartney. Uh, He's a former Beatle, revered as one of the greatest musicians of our modern era, and his song was redone by Guns N' Roses. And, um, well, let's start with the positive. Uh, The song, I think, Live and Let Die, it kind of caters to the hard rock version. Um, 
kind of you know the 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 big guitar and the the riffs and all that. I think the song caters to that and kind of the theme of Live and Let Die is kind of a harder edge theme. It's kind of a fun song. However, I'm, I'm probably going to expose my opinion a bit on this one. Um, I honestly think this version is poorly done. I think the, vogo, the vocals are pretty hard to listen to. Um, Axl Rose is just, he's really trying to, you know, really impose his style on the song, and I don't like it at all, frankly. But um, I don't know. I want to throw it out to you guys. Is this, is this a good remake? Because I think it's... it's I've, I had heard the song before this, and so I think it got some run places. I wanted to see your opinion, and what's the judgment on this? Is this a pleasure or guilty or guilty pleasure? I mean, this song has like 51 million views on YouTube, so it's not like a hidden remake of a, of a Bond theme song. This was clearly a popular remake, and I, I've definitely heard it in places around. I, people like this hard rock remake. It kind of does mesh styles wise in some way but you know i mean the paul mccartney version is just amazing to me i think it was when he formed the band the wings i think it was the group that mm-hmm. he started up and this was kind of their first really big hit that i remember and one i still remember them by um this is to me the original probably a top two top three bond theme song overall this one is not for me i just i get it some people like it I hate it. I, I really do. There's moments where I can kind of tolerate it, but as I said, for me, Bond theme songs are all about the performance by that lead singer. I mean, to me, Axl Rose at the top there, he's he's not good. It's there, it's bad. It's missing something there. And then you're missing the orchestra too on top of it all. It just, it, I, I, I mean, I'm going to hold the vote for a second here, Marco, but I'm not feeling good about this one. I, 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 I can't... I can't make you wait. I could only guess what your vote's going to be. But actually, you know, I, I'm the third one to speak here, and I actually think there is a bit of consensus. I think Nick set it up well, and, and PJ kind of elaborated, so I'm just kind of bring it all together. I do think that this song does lend itself to a remake. When you're remaking a song that's a classic song, there's a lot of pressure. At the same time, you have to give it your own personality. I think Guns N' Roses effectively does that. Axel has a very distinct voice and does a great job with it. You know, then you have the harder rock guitar that you 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 feature instead of you know the orchestral version of the original. So I, I definitely think you know it's a song that in concept is done well as a cover, and lots of people do like it. However, when it comes to me, I am going to vote guilty. I like Axel, but I like him in doses. I like him in his lane, and I, I just I don't like him stepping on this one. <laughs> like I'm kind of the rock guy, I think, between the two of us. But I'm not really a hard, you know, hair band hard rock guy, really. So this that's working against it here too. And like I, to me, it's that song's supposed to be epic, and that's where the orchestra comes in. And, like, the guitar, even trying to be heavy rock, is just not the same at all. It doesn't carry the edge. It feels just kind of really over the top and missing the mark. So, yeah, this is a this is easily a guilty vote. We we are all in consensus, I feel like, today. Maybe too much. And I'll just add, I, I think what got it for me was just right at the beginning, when I pulled up the songs, hearing Axl Rose do the intro to that song just really hit me wrong. And I did not like it at all. And I'm not a big Guns N' Roses person either way. I'm not particularly 
uh, a big fan or not a fan, but that it just did not seem to strike right for me. So I think we've got a conclusion here, though. Our judges have weighed in, and we've got a guilty here. There's a lot of consensus here. Yeah. I do like Guns N' Roses, and I do like certain things, and I do even like some rock covers like the Alien Ant Farm cover of Smooth Criminal. I think that's very well done. I mean, it, it can be done. This particular one just... Yeah, I'm sorry, it just didn't work. Agreed. I I mean, overall, I found many cover songs I like, but to me, this explains how important it is to have the right performance to the right song. Not every one's going to mix together very well. So, guilty. Nick, we got a chance to redeem ourselves with one more song. What do we got? We need a guilty pleasure. That's what we need. We need to go do the cycle. I can't make any promises. You guys are the judges here. Um, but we got we got one more for you. Uh, this will take you back to our high school days, and we've got "Die Another Day" by Madonna. I'm gonna wake up, yes and no. I'm gonna kiss some part of. I'm gonna keep this secret. I'm gonna close my body. Okay, so this song is from 2002. Um, I think, am I right that Madonna did Beautiful Stranger and that was used in Austin Powers? Is that right? I do know Beautiful Stranger, probably. I think, actually, you know what? The video had Austin Powers clips that I think, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Okay, so it kind of seems like this is almost James Bond, the franchise, embracing their, their kind of, you know, as I mentioned before, the cheesiness, but... It's kind of a similar song, or you're using the same artist that was uh, doing the theme song for your spoof as now you're doing for the movie. So uh, maybe they're embracing their brand. I don't know. But this kind of fits into that era of music at the time. It was kind of an era of resurgence of like Madonna and Cher, and they're all doing this electronic, very auto-tuned stuff. Um, Cher was doing, if you remember, Life After Love, which probably played on the radio for six years straight. But, oh, wow. Um, it's kind of that era of music, really electronic, very auto-tuned. Um, and in terms of arguments for the song, it's definitely catchy, it's fun. Um, it incorporates the song title to of the movie uh, in the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> but um, in the guilty side, it doesn't really seem to have a distinct Bond feel to me. Um, there's no part of it that really makes me realize, oh yeah, this is a Bond song. Um, the kind of electronicness of it kind of reminds me, uh, it seems a little overdone, almost reminds me of how CGI was used in the Star Wars. They like found a kind of a cool, trendy thing and just overused it like crazy. And then I think that kind of dates the song. but. Um, those are just my initial thoughts. I'm putting it to the real deciders in the room, the judges. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts? Well, I think you did a nice job laying it out. And there's a few points I want to pick up on. Uh, it does incorporate the movie title. Um, many Bond songs do, but not all. That's always a plus for me. I like hearing the title in the song. I could see I could see someone going the other way on that, but that's just a personal preference. Um, the electronic, I mean, that was... It wasn't necessarily for the movie, but like Nick said, that was popular of the time. 
And I think it's also okay for these songs to be a bit dated because it kind of shows the legacy of these movies and you can kind of look back and get a sense of what time this movie was made and I think that helps. Coming down to the music, not, it's a bridge, I'm almost there. I, I mean, Madonna, you know, great artist, clearly like a lot of her other stuff, and, you know, she is British, you know, Bond is a British character, that only lends some credence to it. And honestly, I do remember this song, like Nick said, we were in high school at the time. I was I was pretty much there, like, all right, I think this might be a guilty pleasure. I think it's guilty pleasure, and then the chorus is like, oh man, this is... <laughs> This is a little worse <laughs> than I remember. <laughs> yeah, to me, it's funny. The electronic stuff, in a lot of ways, it hasn't gone away. I mean, the auto-tune's certainly been toned down a bit in pop music, but certainly, you know, as electronic EDM has kind of merged into pop music more and more, that's still around, except you get kind of usually a bigger drop now in, in pop music uh, to go dancing to. So this was almost kind of laying the roots for a lot of that. You know, it's funny though, this Madonna song, I didn't feel like this is the last Madonna song that was mainstream. Has there been anything since this that you've heard from her? I can't think of one. There are, there are some that I recall, but I don't remember the dates. There's the ones like that she samples the ABBA song, like Time Goes By. I think that was Maven post this. Oh, yeah. And that, that that's a banger, you know. Okay, that's a good point. Because I was gonna say this is an odd boat, odd note to go out on. Well, hey, hey, we, Nick presents us with the music, presents the arguments, and then we make the the case. The Supreme Court doesn't pick their cases. You know, technically they do, but that's true. Yep. <laughs> besides the point, <laughs> we're not the Supreme Court. <laughs> we almost had that right. <laughs> No, you're just a regular old court. They don't pick their cases. So I mean, work. but here's another question that I think can be an overwhelming factor. I'm trying to separate the song from the movie because this, to me, is like one of the worst Bond movies. The song's not as bad as the movie. Well, that's that's actually an interesting argument. How does the movie reflect on the song? I, I think I'm voting. I think there has to be a tie. If I absolutely love the song and the movie was bad, I would still vote for the song in theory that but i mean the movie i guess a bad song can hurt the movie but a bad movie can't hurt the song in my opinion if that makes sense yeah it's getting way off track here pj what's your vote i'm voting guilty (laughs) (laughs) oh are you guilty i really i was kind of like you here i was thinking guilty pleasure i i mean I listen to that and get nostalgic in some ways. Like, it's fun, but you put that on more than once, and I really hate it. It's the thing. If you spend more than 30 seconds, with, I think it's guilty. I think I got to give it guilty. Yeah, the runtime of the song is 4 minutes and 27 seconds, so if you listen to the entire song, you are in jeopardy of not liking the song, according to PJ. That's a fact. How many times do they say, die another day in there? Yeah. I mean movie title because it often gets referenced in the song can be a major factor in if the song's good i mean what was the first one thunderball great name putting that in the song that's fun to hear die another day eh. i actually think die another day is a great title but okay. i'm just you know listen to it's, that that's a very bond thing bond elements death time and then other words that connect the two things so this is a classic bond title <laughs> But yeah, as far as the song, I don't know. Nick, what do you got for us? 
you know, I think there's, again, more consensus. It sounds like we have another guilty. I was hoping that I could sneak this one in as a guilty pleasure, but uh, uh, I think we have consensus here that it uh, it's guilty. The uh, judgments have been rendered. Uh, the songs will be up for sentencing sometime soon, and uh, we'll put them away. Yep, that's right. We're going to put all three songs on our Facebook and Twitter page and have you guys vote. Let us know if we're right or wrong. I think we're all right. There's way too much consensus on these microphones for us to be off base with the world. We got, what, two guilties and one pleasure today on Guilty Pleasures. We which... do, but we're, we should remind people that they can act as the Court of Appeals here and they can overturn this very biased and limited panel. And you never know, maybe this will end up with the Supreme Court because they will pick these songs to rule on right right do not listen to marco giving legal advice <laughs> oh but pj's saying that voting on a song could go to the supreme court that was totally normal and <laughs> accepted as fact really yeah. you're right all right <laughs> <laughs> don't give in all right like, ending on a guilty different. is just in a bad mood we gotta end on a positive next time <laughs> And that's it. Guilty pleasures. We're done. Three songs in, three songs out, and we have three rulings. Two guilties, one pleasure, and now we got America's favorite game. Guess the sound. We join an already in session sound review by two experts in the field. I think that is the Siamese fireback bird, and, if I'm not mistaken, it sounds like it's malting. Ah, yes, the 40 spotted partalote. One could not forget such a lovely animal. Uh, this is a difficult one. Such a mysterious sound. This game is impossible. It's time for Guess That Sound. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. Guess the sound. But, it is Bond Week. And by Bond week, I mean Bond episode. So there's going to be a twist. <laughs> if it takes you a week to listen to this podcast, I tip my cap to you. You are really chunking this thing out and, you know, getting as much out of it as possible. Yeah, the, they always say try to make every day special. And by listening to this every day of the week, what a special week it is. But enough about you. Let's talk about us. <laughs> this episode's theme is James Bond. So, instead of guess the sound, it's more like guess the Bond. Touche. Yes, we have thrown an amazing curveball in for this episode. There have been how many Bonds out there, Marco? There's not that many. There's what, eight of them total? Well, if I told you how many, that would significantly <laughs> impact your ability to guess. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you. I... Going into this, uh, I think we gotta lay this out up front. I would say you probably have the advantage going into this. You 
You've watched almost all of the Bonds. Am I, is that correct? I have watched every movie at least once. Now it has been many years since I've watched, I'd say most, but I am familiar with all Bonds, a non-disclosed number of how many there have been. <laughs> but here's an even further twist. Because of my familiarity and because James Bond always loves games of chance, I figured, PJ, for my sounds, I will give you an offer. I have ranked my sounds from easy, medium, and hard. Ooh. If you, yeah, I assigned point values. Easy is one point. We've the standard rules for guess the sound: one point per one correct sound. Play to two. There can be a tie. There's no overtime. That's just how it is. But for my sounds. Easy is worth one point, medium is worth two points, hard is worth three points. So right off the bat, if you guess a hard sound, you'd win. I love that idea. Uh, I wish I had thought of that ahead of time. This is this is happening like as live recorded as 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 we've ever done it. Like we're we're negotiating right now during the podcast. I this is a cool idea. Um, since I only have the two clips, you're not going to have a choice to make it fair. Shall I offer you two points if you get any of these correct? Because I do not consider mine that easy, but then again, you are very familiar with Bond. Uh, I accept maybe if you have the two clips, maybe you rank one, one point, one worth two points. Right. Maybe that would be a, a compromise. That is a compromise. All right, I got that. All right, this is this is live as it will get for you. Very exciting <laughs> <laughs> for you at home. PJ, uh, would you like to kick or receive? Uh I will kick, which I think means you can uh, name the sound first. Okay, I'm glad you explained that, because once I said I realized, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> we'll have to, you know, uh, negotiate our vocabulary a little more from episode to episode on this. It's only the second time we've played this game in the lifetime of the podcast series here, and it's actually the first game we've ever created on the podcast. And with that out of the way, let's go into round one, Marco. You ready? Ready. Okay, so round one, I'm going to, since I get to assign the point value for you, I'm going to give this a one point in the point value category. So that's the easier of the, the point system ones for me. All right. Now, mine are a little short, so be ready, listen hard, and remember, we're guessing name the bond. Here we go. Round one. Bond. James Bond. Now, Marco, can you name the Bond? Yeah, every Bond does this, so it doesn't rule out any of the Bonds. <laughs> I'm going to go with Connery. So, man, you jumped right in there. Not too hard to think there. I thought for sure you were going to need a hint here. Because, yes, it's as you point out, every Bond says that famous phrase. But you have to be able to kind of distinct between all the different ones to kind of think through which one sounded like that. And you've come right out hitting hard with Connery. Is that your final guess? Final guess because hints are strongly discouraged. They are very strongly discouraged. I wanted to humiliate you. But <laughs> uh, you know what? I feel like I gave you a hint. Anyways, you got it correct. You have one point. Yes. It is the easier bond. And, of course, easier bond means the first bond. It is Sean Connery with that famous phrase, Bond, James Bond. All right. 
one zero and now i kick the proverbial sound to you <laughs> pj you have received the ball now your choice easy medium or hard point values one two or three respectfully well, see this is why i decided to kick and if you recall kicking means letting you guess first <laughs> i <laughs> now i know what i need to play against here we're playing for real Let's go easy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Round one. Welcome, Martini. Chicken or stir? Do I look like I give a damn? PJ, you heard the clip. I did. James Bond orders a drink. Yes, and this was funny because um, usually he has a famous way of ordering the drink, right? It's shaken, not stirred. In this moment... Bond does not use the famous line here. So whereas I used the famous line, you used a joke off that line where he doesn't actually say the line. I can confirm that. I did not reveal any new information. That is, you, everything you said came from you. Do you feel like giving me a hint? I mean, I'll give you a hint. I mean, you know the deal. <laughs> I don't need the hint. I just wanted to see if you felt like giving me the hint here. I, I am very... Uh, <laughs> Very relieved I took the easy one because, uh, you know, I, for me, as a, I mean, I, I do love the Bond movies, but I am heavily biased uh, for me towards the newer ones. And uh, I can tell you by the sound, that definitely sounded like one of the newer ones. And I believe, see, I, let me guess it first and then I'll say what the other thing Are I Are you going full millionaire on us right now? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> The, the the official guess, Daniel Craig. That is correct. You have one point. Now, now I wanted to see if I could double down here. Not worth any points. That was Casino Royale, correct? That was. That was Casino Royale, 2005. All right. That's my favorite Bond movie. So if I can't if I can't name a, the quotes in that one, then I'm in trouble. That was easy. There, it'll be harder from here, unless you pick another easy one, in which case it should technically be as easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think me picking easy, medium, or hard, it's going to depend on how you do on our round two question here. S- smart. <laughs> <laughs> so as we agreed here, you had, uh, you have, we have two rounds here. The first question on my end that I gave you was worth one point. The second question here is going to be a little harder, and it's going to be worth two points. All right. So you have a chance at three points here. We're tied right now at 1-1. One, one. A lot of math here. <laughs> Sub-theme, math. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marco, you ready, ready for round two? Ready for round two. All right, here we go. Round two. My name is Bond, James Bond. All right, you, uh, you went for more just... <laughs> James Bond, Bond, James Bond. Very good. <laughs> well, it is a very, very famous line. They all say it, but to me, they all say it differently. So I wanted to see how well you could tell between the actors when they introduce themselves. Well, this could be a almost Bond villain-like plot in which it's the same Bond saying it slightly differently in order to trick me because <laughs> we never said no repeats. We didn't. We did not say that. Um, but... And I'm not giving you any hints here, so I, I'm not taking that off the table. But uh, I think with the gamesmanship, uh, I assume it is a different Bond 
your previous description made it seem like it would be a different Bond. <laughs> and on top of that, it actually even sounded like a different Bond. It did sound English, though. Based on the clip and the complete disregard for the hint system, I'm going to go <laughs> Roger Moore. Really? You're going to just disregard the hint system? I had all these hints ready for you. You don't want one. Hints are strongly discouraged. Oh, they are. They are strongly discouraged. I'm just making sure you didn't want one. You know, it's almost poor sportsmanship to taunt a hint, especially when I so clearly don't want one. <laughs> you might want it after this guess. So final final answer, Roger Moore. That's final answer. That is correct. You have three points, my friend. Yes. All right, now... Kick or be kicked. It is time for the final <laughs> sound. PJ, I have all points available for you. An easy bond, a medium bond, or a hard bond sound. Oh, boy. I feel like this is... One, two, and three. You need two to tie, three to win. One to lose. One or zero <laughs> points to lose. Well, I would like to take one or zero off the board immediately here. And uh, say those will not be picked here in the second round. He's playing to tie. He's playing to tie. <laughs> See, this is the problem. I'm not good with Bond, and I, I oh, asking for three is just trouble. Is a tie good enough today? You went two for two here. Do I just settle that? You know what? If I match an expert in the Bond realm, and you know, I mean, now remember, I won last time we played, so I'm already one zero here. I would maintain the lead with a tie. Yes, you always remind me of your one victory and guess the sound. (laughs) (laughs) I know my animals, Marco. I know my animals. All right. You know what, Marco? We're going for the tie in spite of you. Going for two boys. Going for the tie is a spite move. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard those words. (laughs) For two, here comes the sound. Round two. I'm Mr. Kill. Well, there's a name to die for. Okay. PJ, you heard the sound. Worth two points for the tie. Now, going into this, just want a clarification. I don't want a hint, but I want a clarification. There were two voices there, correct? That is correct. And any follow-up from here on out will be considered a hint. So keep, please keep that in mind as, okay. per the rules, hints are strongly discouraged. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not, I, this is a clarification, and we're only naming bonds. That's all I'm going to say. There's two voices there, and we're only naming the bond. I'm not naming the other voice. That's all I'm going to say. I'm, you're nodding your head. This is, this is a visual podcast right now. Uh, <laughs> okay. For the tie, luckily... I recognize that voice because he is my second favorite Bond because that's the Bond I grew up with. Like, it's the first Bond I ever watched. I believe that is Pierce Brosnan. That is correct. You get the tie. Congratulations. I had multiple sounds for all Bonds. Just for the record, for the fans at home, there have been six Bonds. Yeah. In chronological order, Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Sean Connery did come back once in that sequence. Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. I had a medium for Roger Moore, and I had a medium for Sean Connery, but I went medium for Pierce Brosnan out of out of pity. <laughs> That's just mean. 
<laughs> we did now we did tie three three um so i maintain the series record it's uh one win to one tie uh <laughs> but i just want to fact check you here i believe there are seven bonds you missed a bond in your count who is the seventh bond i have david nevin that was a parody movie. Oh, really? The first Casino Royale. Yeah. I don't count that. I could like, see one who would count that, a.k.a. someone who just went to Wikipedia. I get it. I get it. <laughs> that's harsh. He was listed in the IMDb's of James Bond's here. But what were your hards? That was the question I wanted to know. Would I have had a shot at your hards today? I would say no. The hards were one clip from George Lazenby and two clips from Timothy Dalton. Oh yeah, those were those were bad ones for me. I mean, those those were worth three points. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would have had a half a shot at a Sean Connery. Roger Moore would have. I I kind of know because obviously I picked. I I did some clips around him, but man, yeah, I don't. Oh, that that probably would have been a loss. So you know what? Strategically went for the tie. I think uh, that's all I had in the had had for myself today here. Should not have given you two points. No, you you you, you played it right. I was really uh, hoping to pull out a George Lazenby clip, but you know what? For another day. That's right. And that wraps up the second edition of Name That Sound. It went for an extremely whelming time. <laughs> Marco, I have a question. PJ, we haven't started yet. It's the opener, man. Right. Uh, right. L- let's continue. It's just... What? I'm confused. What happened to the... PJ, we've got like 10 seconds to go, man. We're still in the intro. The intro for what? Movies! It's a James Bond-themed podcast episode. And with that, you know we couldn't go without a movie segment. So, now we talk about the movies. Marco, we've got four clips today we're getting ready to talk about with a full deep dive around James Bond. He's got a lot of movies. We've picked four clips out of all those movies. And we've got some very important questions to talk about. That is absolutely correct. And we're going to start a little earlier with these clips. The first movie being diamonds are forever with sean connery he's the first james bond on film and our clip i will set it up look at me setting up this clip (laughs) (laughs) the villain in this movie is uh ernst starvo blofeld of specter and in the earlier parts of the movie he has a facility where he's kind of creating doubles of himself using a surgical technique involving heated mud now if that's not an opening (laughs) segment i don't know what is let's roll the clip making mud pies 007 he would have been me in a matter of days had you given the poor fellow a chance such a pity i was dying to see how the operation turned out get his gun hold it get your hands up 
So I set up the clip, but I'm going to also back set up the clip in that a little confusing. We'll post these clips likely to Twitter and Facebook just so you have, you know, the pleasure of seeing it because uh, these are movies and that's half the battle of the senses of sight. But James Bond sneaks into that facility. The There was a man who was going to be transformed into Blofeld tonight, you know, as was <laughs> advised. He was awake, has a gun, is about to shoot James Bond. James Bond does a kind of a tuck and roll, pulls a lever, and then more of the surgical mud falls on this man, killing him. So that's what happened. My question is, is that not the lamest death in all of the Bond movies? You know, there are so many deaths in James Bond. There has to be some pretty weak ones in the mix here. Uh, First off, you know, listening to that clip in audio form does not do it justice. This is an outrageous clip when you watch it on a, visually. It's just, <laughs> I mean, the the mud operation looks ridiculous in film. It, and then just even the whole action sequence with James Bond to pour the mud over the guy at the end looks very sim- silly. I mean, this is why... Austin Powers was born. I mean, for this type of outrageous action scene here. And like, so then when I go to outrageous deaths, that's like where my head goes here. And I'm thinking an actual James Bond. Uh, well, here, I, I here's, here's the point of distinction while you're thinking. There's plenty of outrageous mm-hmm. deaths. My question is, is this the lamest death? Because actually I kind of went through, there's plenty of lists and stuff online. And, you know, there's so many movies. Like, I'm just going to throw out a few um you have Boris from Goldeneye. He gets frozen in liquid car, you know, liquid nitrogen. Yeah, that's a rough one. I almost picked that movie clip, so I'm glad I didn't because that that you would have ruined it all for me right there off the bat. Right, that's a fantastic clip. I just wish I had more to to go on that. I just probably my question would have been like, how great was this clip? <laughs> it would have been a real question. I mean, because first off, that one which you just brought up, I know that one very well now after the, just rewatching it a little bit ago. That one, he infamously says. I'm invincible right as he's about to be frozen to death. So that's, I mean, is it lame to say you're invincible and then be killed immediately? Or is that kind of, uh, you know, foreshadowing in a cool way? Or is I, I, I go towards lame though on that one too. That one's a strong competitor for being drowned in mud. Oh, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, we'll, we'll post this mud clip because I agree with you. Like, you can hear the mud for sure. It sounds like mud, but like, it is ridiculous. This giant vat of mud suspended <laughs> over a tub. But, uh, you know, there's people eaten by sharks. There's people eaten by piranhas. These are different yeah. movies, mind you. <laughs> there's a lady painted mm-hmm. in gold. That's a classic. That's from. That is, that's the first one. That's, uh, Goldfinger, if I recall. That's, right? that is actually the third Bond movie. Dr. No, then From Russia with Love, and then Goldfinger. Okay. The first good Bond movie, excuse me. That's highly debatable. <laughs> but, I, I, Goldfinger is one of my favorites. But, I don't know. So, there's there's so many deaths and there's cool deaths and there's it's it's a matter of opinion but PJ it seems like you're kind of on board this this could be argued the lamest death in the entire it's in the mix I, Invincible was up there too 
I thought in the more modern ones with uh, with Pierce Bronson, somebody got drowned in caviar. That was kind of lame. But maybe he survived that one. Like he came close to drowning in caviar. Uh, I don't remember that at all. That that's up there. That's that's pretty I would lame. Think. <laughs> it, but you know, like piranhas and sharks. That is not lame. That is like right. intense death. Right. That, Agreed. That was outrageous death. That's cool. Yes. <laughs> not outra- This is outrageous death. Is that's lame. <laughs> So yeah, no, I agree that I, you know what, you could make a strong argument for lamest death there, being drowned in mud, and he kind of had it coming to him. Another thing you don't see in the clip, but happens while we're watching it, guy breaks out his own gun while he's in the mud to try and kill Bond. Uh, you know, so he had it coming to him. That was a really lame attempt at trying to kill somebody too, on top of being murdered himself. Yeah, I guess I guess that factors in. <laughs> you know it just it piles on top of each other it just makes it more and more lame up until the point it's just really possibly the lamest one of the bunch i thought you were gonna go with the fact that there's no way that gun would fire after being submerged in mud but you know that's a great observation as well now i feel i should have made that one too but hey, you know what? enough about the mud i think we've we've been this to death i have one more clip that's uh intriguing this takes us to the next james bond Roger Moore, and this movie is Live and Let Die. The villain here is Mr. Big. He uh, he's a kind of a villainous guy. Owns a bunch of restaurant franchises and kind of deals with drugs. He ha- he uses a tarot card reader to help predict the future. It's a pretty bizarre Bond. I'm th- if you haven't seen some of this early Bond, it's worth a watch. And we're gonna play a clip right now. This is James Bond meeting the tarot card reader solitaire put down those cards it is a blasphemy they tell nothing to those who cannot see oh but they do that's a, a bit of luck good luck for both of us the cards say we will be lovers you're mistaken it's impossible forbidden for me now you must go but you do believe I mean, really believe in the cards. They have never lied to me. Then they won't now. Pick one. before it was given. Strangely enough, somehow, so did I. Okay, so acknowledge again. There's definitely some important visual cues in my clips. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, you uh, you nailed it with the podcast form of movies <laughs> here, future, Marco. For future segments. Again, it's only, the, <laughs> this is, I guess, the third time. I guess, yeah, it's on me. But, okay, the, the key thing is you hear the cards falling to the table. Some good sound editing in these Bond movies, nevertheless. All the <laughs> cards had the tarot symbol of lovers. My question is, and that's a that's a very crucial part <laughs> of this clip <laughs> that I had to explain, but you know, the question for you, PJ, is is this the lowest Bond has stooped to get with a girl? Ugh, you know, man, you're you're going with these massive statements here. 
Yes, but for a different reason and another visual reason that nobody can see in the podcast right now. As you're listening to us, we played this clip for you and you would have no idea the reason I say this is the lamest. The, or not lamest, the lowest. Lowest. Okay, lo- okay, well, okay. See, I was going to go with lamest because that cape that he wears as he's drawing out the cards, the Tavik, uh, what are they? Tarot. Tarot cards. Yeah. uh, he looks like the what's the who's the one infomercial person who does the tarot cards uh oh uh, oh the call me now yeah oh what uh cleo miss cleo yeah miss cleo yeah he looked it's james bond dressed as mrs cleo it's a terrible look and it looks ridiculous and what makes it even worse is when he stands up i'm like assuming he's put this cape over himself the cape is attached to the wall Okay. It is an outrageous-looking cape, and it's attached to the wall. It's so, it's awful. So, um, for those who haven't seen the full movie, that is, he is in her room. That is, that is her setup. She, that is her chair. Those were her cards. So that, James Bond wasn't wearing that. It's just kind of her look as she performs the tarot reading. Um, you really honed in on <laughs> the clip that I was, parts of the clip I was not trying to talk about. I'll uh, maybe I'll extend my question. Is this the lowest James Bond is at a stoop to get a girl? Because it seems kind of goofy, but in this movie, she is a believer of like the, I believe it's pronounced the Obia religion of like actually believing the tarot card. She does mention in the clip, it's like it, but it is forbidden. She literally in this religion is supposed to maintain her virginity in order to maintain her power of fortune telling. So James Bond goes in there with a loaded deck, convinces her (laughs) that the cards have, you know, (laughs) premonition that, you know, they were bound to be together when he, and so it's totally, it's, it's totally messed up. I mean, I don't think it ages well. I mean, granted many things, don't age well for different and, reasons. This one for more moral <laughs> consent <laughs> reasons. But, uh, I mean, he's a suave guy, and there's so many women. He, why did he have to mess with the religious virgin tarot card reader? Couldn't he just leave her alone? <laughs> you know, I mean, also, because you got to realize, Bond, he's in, what, 60 movies now? He's had a different female character. He's had a relationship in 60 of these things. Like, he couldn't just let one go. Also... The man has so much swab. Was he not that confident that he could just win it over with the cards to begin with if he had just gone it straight draw? I will give him a little bit of credit, though. Just a tiny bit. Did you see how many cards he had of the same thing? There was a lot of the same one. How do you find that many in that deck? There was like 50 of the lover cards in that deck. I mean, there's no way she had all those just sitting around. Or else she might... I mean... I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm stunned. He had to go probably go to another store to go buy a few of those. No, I mean, he has the disposal of the British intelligence agency. Um, that's probably the cheapest thing they ever gave Bond ever. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, you know, again, it, 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 he had so many cards, like literally a, a deck of 50 of these cards, too. He was leaving nothing to chance in order to, like, destroy <laughs> her entire worldview and religious <laughs> foundation all of that not good that yes that you know what you have talked yes that is very very low i i mean the, just the sliver is i mean that's a lot of cards he had to have put some extra thought into it it wasn't like he just you know walked up to the shelf and stole a couple extra ones there you know because i mean you would think he'd have maybe three or four lying around 
There's like 50 yeah, of them. Again, we don't condone the work he put into it, no. but there was work put into it. The other thing that I, as a secondary question is, I don't know enough about the religion, but like if, I guess she technically drew the card from his deck, but I would think that she would want to manipulate all the cards at all times. Like even him holding the cards, I don't even think that would work. I don't know enough, but either way, the whole thing's suspicious and wrong. So shame on you, Roger Moore. Yeah, you know, up until this moment, I thought James Bond was a classy guy. But now you have uh, set the record straight here and shown he's not all he's necessarily cracked up to be here, Marco. Thanks for breaking that for me. Yeah. That said, I would still recommend this movie. (laughs) (laughs) But enough about me, PJ. Why don't you ask some questions to the fans? Okay, great. You know, by the way, having not seen that movie, not sure that would be the first on my list. But the theme song to that movie, fantastic. Top three theme song for a Bond. Okay. Moving along here, uh, going to set up my first clip here. I believe this one comes from The World Is Not Enough, and this comes from the Pierce Bronson era. So he is the Bond before Daniel Craig, so the second to last Bond. This is the kind of the, the Bond I grew up watching, and now Daniel Craig's taken over. And I, I love Daniel Craig too, but this was the one I knew of before even you know Sean Connery. I didn't know that until I started backtracking eventually. But... This, I think, t- this clip here touches on a few of the James Bond staples here. So let's just roll the clip and I'll roll back after this. Are you here for a reason? Or are you just hoping for a glimmer? And you are? Mikhail Arkos, Russian Atomic Energy Department. Miss? Doctor. Jones. Christmas Jones. And don't make any jokes, I've heard them all. I don't know any doctor jokes. This is okay. So in that clip there, he's uh, talking to what ends up being one of the Bond women in this feature film. And uh, he's, for the moment, putting on a shtick where he pretends to be a Russian scientist, putting up hand quotes there in case he fooled you in that mix. And uh, to me, first off, you know, one of the classic things you see in Bond is you get this female character and they have an outrageous name. Uh, In this case, it's Christmas Jones. And then uh, second, (laughs) he breaks out one of the more outrageously terrible accents I think you'll see for a Bond (laughs) character here, the Russian accent. (laughs) And my question off the bat here is, what's worse in this movie? The Russian accent broken out by Bond or the female character name in this movie? You know, that's that's a tough question because... The it's been a while since I've actually seen this one, but he's only using this accent for part of the time where her name is her name. You're hearing it the whole movie. It's referred to throughout. At the same time, in the bigger scheme, this is not one of the most outrageous <laughs> Bond, like female Bond names ever. So you have to weigh that in. Um, Didn't say outrageous, said worse. Because, yes, there are some just crazy Bond okay. names. And some of those outrageous ones are kind of funny and, and kind of, you know, quirky because it's like the Bond classic. This one's just Christmas Jones, so it's kind of that lame, worst kind of in my book. It's not great is my point. Yeah, I, I actually – I might go with the name because I remember as a, as a kid when this came out that that name was like, this is dumb. But as a kid, I did not realize how bad his accent was. So I'm going to go with my <laughs> my first impression, which was from whenever this movie came out, which is, what, early 2000s? or 
Yeah, well, uh, yeah, early 2000s, because he does the whole Millennium bit there in this one. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, to me, though, he has to set up this character by claiming he's a Russian scientist with this Russian accent. And this, I mean, I don't know who falls for that one. That's like me prank calling somebody trying to be, you know, a fake Russian person. Nobody's buying it. You know, they're hanging up immediately going, okay, that's a, that's a prank caller. Well, you know, maybe, you know, Dr. Jones is so academic, you know, she's kind of, you know, really good at, you know, the physics, but then picks up on normal social cues as in, like, what does a Russian person sound like? So that he might have, you know, not given his A game for the accent, knowing he could pass <laughs> with a C. <laughs> <laughs> One last small question here. How do we feel about the joke? Don't know any doctor jokes. Smooth lame or you know he's bond he gets away with it or is this just terrible writing <laughs> it's almost like pleasure guilty or guilty pleasure <laughs> yes yes exactly here i think consiglier is a little mad at me at the moment for breaking that one back out here I, i'm gonna go with pleasure it's i mean yes. corny corny's a part of the bond franchise and it is a curveball you would think he would try to do some sort of christmas thing but he just goes another direction which is just a lame direction i'm, I'm into it i am too <laughs> awesome all right setting that one away i actually like that one you know some of the pierce bronson ones there's hit or misses to me that was a thumbs up pierce bronson we're going to what i believe was his last movie and this one for me was a big thumbs down it was called die another day in a lot of ways this movie was trying to do a lot of throwbacks it might have been an anniversary bond film but they tried to call back to a lot of different things the scene I'm calling out here, I don't think was a callback to anything, but I'm not a great historian in Bond, so you can tell me, Marco, if this calls back into anything. But it's kind of two guys you meet with. Bond is meeting what eventually becomes the obvious Bond villain here in this scene, and they're kind of doing a pre-feel-each-other-out moment here where they're interacting with each other. But this is just early on in the movie where you're kind of learning about the character. And from there, they, they, they get into some kind of wager and it sets off this firestorm that you will hear now. Hong Kongs. Oh dear. You want to continue? Of course I want to bloody continue. But since we're upping the wager, let's up the weapon, shall we? There. Let's do this the old fashioned way. First blood drawn from the torso. So I'm realizing I probably should have set up the start of that clip. So they start out in a fencing match. And then it eventually oh. grows. Yeah, you know, once again, visual audio <laughs> podcast. Helps when you talk about what you're seeing and hearing here. We both nailed it today, Marco. But <laughs> either way here, you go from a fencing match, which is a pretty standard way to wager. You know, you, you got the the EpiPen, which doesn't overall hurt too much with the padding they wear. And, you know, you hit the guy and it's the sensors go off and that's fine. The guy gets so annoyed, he's like, let's settle the old-fashioned way and breaks out old medieval swords and, <laughs> and, and decides they want to do draw first blood through the torso, which to me is just absolutely outrageous. Yet, I have to know, Marco, have you ever settled a fight 
the old-fashioned way with a sword fight? <laughs> That's your question? <laughs> I mean, come on. They made it look like it was normal practice here. I got to know. Is this normal? I I don't speak for everyone. I speak for myself. I have never done this. <laughs> I mean, because he's in a normal, like, it looks like a country club that they're just going fencing. And then this guy breaks out old medieval swords. And, like, everybody's just looking like this is kind of normal for a moment until they decide to destroy everything in the club during this fight. <laughs> I do remember this fight scene being pretty, you know, going all throughout the club and being really drawn out. I, I, I thought it was a very enjoyable scene, but um, I, I do think this is a little bit of, you know, movie magic in that I don't think this happens in a lot of day-to-day life, even in the aristocratic circles of club fencing i i would hope not i mean it sounds painful i mean getting sliced in the torso there's a lot of ways that could end very very poorly if i recall correctly spoiler alert we haven't actually spoiled a ton we got to step up our game here in this movie segment you know he does in terms end of up... spoils <laughs> you That's know the point I, of the segment <laughs> I, well i know but we you know what's a good movie segment without a few spoilers i mean so, so he he bond ends up slicing the guy in the torso but it ends up not being an absolutely serious slice like the guy laughs about it you know signs the check at the end of the day and is kind of back to his day-to-day here but you know i would think a lot more often than not slicing a guy in the torso stomach region probably creates some long-term damage if not death you know, again, I, I wish I wish I almost had been in a sword fight prior <laughs> to this podcast recording because I don't have much to draw on from personal experience. I guess it meant the depth, placement and depth are critical, you know, in a stab wound. I can, I could say as much. Yeah, I mean, um, we had two early stab wounds we see and we hear in this clip. Uh, one guy gets kind of slashed in the ankle and, you know, draw it first blood, but that's not good enough. Got to get him in the torso. And I think there might have been a wrist slap, too. Those weren't, you know, they're fine. But, you know, I mean, the torso's kind I mean, at least it wasn't neck. If they had said, first one to draw blood in the neck, I think at that point they're basically saying first one to kill each other. And, again, the classic thing of the Bond, you know, from the books and translates to the movies is there are so many times where Bond could die or kill the villain in the first 15 minutes. It never happens. You still have hour-plus worth of material, too. So, Clearly, if Bond Bond knows this guy is the villain, he clearly could have stabbed him. Maybe he still needs to get information from him at this point. I don't recall the plot so well. I mean, I, in terms of the the Pierce uh, Brosnan movies, I know Goldeneye very well, and the rest, it's really a blur. I've seen them maybe once or twice, you know, in theaters and you know back in the day. But um, I do I do recall a scene that was very good. I to recap, I've never sort of fought. Um, I don't know the perils of getting stabbed in the torso, but I'll just throw this out here. Don't try this at home. This is not a good way to resolve an argument. If you want to fence, you know, the gentleman's sport, you know, in a safe manner with pads, with proper instruction, by all means. But, you know, and I think this is a good lesson in being a poor sport. Just because you lost doesn't mean you should just try and settle it with an old fashioned sword fight. There are more reasonable ways to resolve a dispute. Yeah. But uh, but again, yeah, Bond's never been about reason or lack of violence. So, <laughs> hence this clip. 
Yeah. And, you know, you, you say, uh, you know, he could have killed him here. And this was like, yeah, in the first half hour of the movie, we would have all been better off <laughs> if he had killed this villain in the first half hour because this ended up being just an awful movie. It really was, to me, what I, I almost gave up Bond after this. This was luckily Beer, Pierce Bronson's last one because Daniel Craig saved the series for me he was he took this one i mean he ended up making what was my favorite bond movie right after this casino royale but this one this seems outrageous but kind of funny and cool the rest of it just gets really terrible and lame was this the invisible car and the ice yep and the, uh, the sun gets beamed into the onto earth and melts the whole place and yeah it just yeah it's a little, he, a little, he's in the ice hotel yeah it's a little crazy it yeah and it's just it, it's there's nothing subtle about it, <laughs> even yeah. shown in this clip. <laughs> okay, well, two movies apiece. I think we learned a lot. Yeah, you know, we didn't spoil as much as we tried, but we at least got some very pertinent questions out there, answered them for the most part. Though I will admit, I should have given Marco a heads up on the sword fighting, so we could have done a little more research going into this. But you know what? I think it worked out in that I was not stabbed. Or draw, or hitting the torso. <laughs> yeah, even with anything, even a bat. I don't need that. <laughs> no, and uh, I don't need to be poured in mud to see if that's a really lame death. So you know what? At the end of the day, I think we did just enough research, maybe with this one. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we're gonna close this movie segment. Say thank you, Bond. You are a great series. I cannot wait for another Bond. I think Daniel Craig's coming back. But with that, we got one more segment to close out our podcast, 007 style. We got music. PJ, we've been through a whole episode featuring James Bond. We've talked to Consulary Nick about some music. We've talked movies with Bond. We've guessed the James Bond. And now it's time for music. You also forgot about jumping your car onto a boat. I still blame you for that, Marco. It's nice of you to just gloss over that little detail there. That was kind of a memorable moment this episode as well. It was a memorable moment. However, I did sustain closed head injuries from that car crash. So thanks for reminding me about my memory loss. Yeah. And we're going to remind the people about some great music they may have missed here in our final segment, Music. We've got 10 great songs we're getting ready to kick off this segment with. And sadly, none of them are James Bond themed. But PJ can't even wait. So let's just hand it off to him. (laughs) Sounds good, Marco. So for me, I wanted to kind of theme 
the music segment for myself at least a little bit compared to what I normally do. Usually I pick some of my favorite music. You know, it is a themed episode, not picking Bond theme, but I wanted to take this theme to be kind of a club weekend theme. I'm making all my picks this episode dance music you'd hear in the club. I want to pick five songs that I think you'd hear in the club this summer. And I'm starting off with my number five pick called My Life by Zoo featuring Tame and Paul. Starting it out with the chill one called My Life. Really mellow beat, but it features one of my favorite artists, Tame Impala. This is one of their first songs since their last big hit album. They just did a one-off feature in this song with Zoo, and I absolutely love it. It mixes in their kind of psychedelic rock vibe into this really trippy, mellow beat. And uh, I, you know, I think it's a great chill, mellow, chill song for the summer. PJ, I agree. You said chill twice, and chill was my key takeaway from that. I mean, it's an electro song. Three chills. <laughs> triple chill. <laughs> Team weekend triple chill rating. Um, but yeah, no, it has it has good like chords that are kind of you know dissonant throughout, and song builds. And uh, no, I, again, and it is a summer release, and I I think it's a good time for just sitting by the pool and listening to some electronic music. That's right. And I'm assuming you've got an electronic hit here coming up with your first song, right, Marco? I guess. Full disclosure, PJ did not reveal the club weekend music theme to me. So we've all got surprises up our sleeves. Yes, my first song of the episode is Diplo featuring Dram with Look Back. So yeah, Dram is an artist that was featured on the 2017 top 60 songs. Did we do 30 a piece? That was a lot of songs. Either way, he was featured in our 2017 end of year special and also an artist that PJ and I both saw at the Beale Street Music Festival. So I wanted to give one shout out to that festival. We did see Dram. He was great live right on the river with the sunset and bonus info i'm almost positive he was on my plane ride home that's awesome and yeah we both (laughs) did see this artist uh i think this is the only artist that appears in both of our playlists this episode from beale street music festival we saw but uh to me i think this does kind of fit the club vibe i mean diplo definitely does overall um you know it's interesting to me you know when i heard this song the first time it like all of a sudden clicked to me with dram he sounds so much like Gnarls Barkley in this song, doesn't he? And I, I love Gnarls Barkley, so to me this kind of clicked for that reason. I, I'm a huge fan of Gnarls Barkley, and I never thought about it myself, um, but I do see that. I also 
is reminiscent, I mean, kind of a little bit genre, you know, soulful singing as well as uh, Miguel, who was featured on the last episode in my playlist. So good music all around. Uh, PJ, back to your club. What do you have next on the track? That's right. We're back in Club Weekend with PJ the DJ playing his second song of the episode. And I'm going with Alone by Calvin Harris featuring Halsey and Stefan Dunn. I just call this the most fun song I have on my playlist. This is the song I would just let loose on when this drop hits. To me, I, you know, we all know Calvin Harris, but he's known kind of for those radio hits that have turned really poppy. This, to me, is a whole different side of Calvin Harris we just didn't see enough of. He's a legit DJ that has some great electronic drops, and this, I could see myself just breaking out some outrageous dance moves to this song. And I mean, Halsey, Stefan, Don mixed in there too. It, it's a cool mixture of things going on here. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely fitting for Club Weekend. I also sign on to the song. Uh, the original by Halsey is very good too. I mean, this is actually a Halsey song that Calvin Harris completely remixed, um, which is a super poppy song in its own right, featuring Stefan Don. The original also featured Big Sean, which unfortunately Calvin Harris dropped on his cut. <laughs> Um, I like both versions, and it's fun hearing the original version by Halsey and then hearing the Calvin Harris version. Both are good in their own right. Yeah, and uh, that's a good point. I kind of almost forgot this is an actual remix. He just he changes it so much here with his drops that it, it it's, it's definitely its own entity, and that's, I think, an important thing with the remix is you want it to stand alone and feel like it's its own song, like he, he's put his own touch on it. And uh, to me, you know, we went to chill. Now we're going absolutely unchill with this song. What about you, Marker? You got a chill song or an unchill song with your number two pick? Is it a triple chill? Uh, unfortunately, no, but it's good in its own right. The artist is P-Rhyme, and the song is Wow featuring Yellow Wolf. Hop off my Harley Davidson looking like I just got kicked with the cool stick. Cherry red boots, cigarette and aggravated. How come Mr. This Dirt Road Moonshine trailer trash trooper? Every day's a party, happy belated. If you're smoking marijuana with your mama at 12, then we either related or related in jail. Street things, still in Honda's for the major gangs. So I'd rate it not quite chill, but <laughs> elements of chill. It's got a fun beat, uh, like, actually goes all over the place. And just for some uh, background, um, P rhyme could be prime. I don't know, to be honest, but it's a combination of Royce to 59 and DJ Premier. So it's kind of the mashup of their names. And this song features uh, Yellow Wolf. The whole album is good. They're on tour. And this song just really jumped out um, with, you know, every good vocals by everyone. And obviously DJ Premier always puts down a good beat. So. Yeah, I mean, the beat's what definitely stands out for me. I, you know, it's more than a beat to me. It's like instrumentals is what I would call it, and they're just outrageous. The the string horn section that just kind of blows up every few seconds on it really kind of catches your attention. But then kind of also the lyrical verses, to me, remind me a ton of uh, Jurassic 5's Golden. Uh, if you've heard that song, uh, it's been a while since I heard that one, but when I, I started looking them up the moment I heard the song because... 
There's a throwback sound to this that reminded me a lot of Jurassic 5. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, DJ Premier and Royce to 5-9 been in hip-hop for a long time. And I definitely think, you know, they're, they're, you know, still evolving their own music, but they're not kind of the new trap rap songs. That, I mean, they're definitely older school vibe and a great album and great song here. But enough about me. PJ, what's going on in the club? Let's take it back to the club. <laughs> going with my number three pick here. <laughs> 48 Hours by Disciples. So the Disciples are officially a trio of DJs, and for me... Triple chill. <laughs> to me, that... Yeah, Honestly, that has to be like a trademark musical phrase for us from now on. I love Triple Chill. <laughs> to me, officially, this is kind of the middle ground of, in the electronic world. We had the Triple Chill. We had the Zero Chill. This is kind of a one and a half chill in my book. I, you know, that's probably not a trademark phrase, one and a half chill. But uh, to me, Disciple... Three halves chill. <laughs> that could work. <laughs> Disciples are a trio of DJs from the UK... And to me, this pick and my next pick are two songs that are absolutely blowing up in the UK, according to all the shows I've listened to over there. And I love this song. The vocals suck you in, and the beat is it really complements it well. This is a huge hit, and that's blowing up. Uh, their top hit is How Deep Is Your Love. You've probably heard that one on the radio. This one might have a chance to break into that radio as the summer goes along. We'll see. I think there's definitely a chance, uh, you know, the whole electronic music has a whole spectrum, as every genre does. This particular song reminds me of a, of a song that you would hear in, like, a very fashionable store at the mall. Again, not my That's, scene, okay. but you go in there, <laughs> you hear it even walking by, it's like, oh, yeah, that is Armani. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that is actually a really good comparison for that. I don't feel good about that necessarily, but I do agree with that. <laughs> But having said that, I, I still love this song. I, I, I do feel cool listening to this song. It just like makes me nod my head. I mean, not like I actually am, but it just there's something about it that just makes you feel confident. Is that is, is kind of the way I would describe it. I can that. confirm PJ was not nodding his head, but he feels that way. So gotta go with your gut. <laughs> All right, Marco, what do you got with your number three? My number three song is kind of keeping the same vein as number two. This one is Flying Waterbed by Dr. Octagon. Simultaneous knee cracks like Kobe injured. Dr. Octagon sit on Space Beach with a bucket hat. Way beyond the fitted in the snapback. 3.5 million served. My wings make you look like atomic birds. Flying like a UFO where the rockets, they must be sniffing stardust in their show. Nasal so big I can fly aircraft up your nose. Go up over the clouds like George so Astro. So I actually haven't heard of Dr. Octagon before this song, although he definitely has a long history. Um, but I mean, the artist name, fantastic. The song name, fantastic. And the actual song itself is fantastic, as it turns out. <laughs> Great beat again. We have horns, we have strings. Uh, very good rapping throughout so new artists to me and maybe new artists to you as well yeah you know i definitely had notes all about the name in general it is a ridiculous name dr octagon <laughs> i mean that right off the bat stood out to me 
But to me, this, I think this has a chance of being a triple chill. When it comes to hip hop, it doesn't get much more chill than this. Wow, nice. I was blindsided by the triple chill. <laughs> I'm not going to disagree. I mean, to me, this is a whole different shade of hip hop. You don't hear it too much. It's uh, it's slow, melodic with the the horns, and just kind of keeps going. It, it works. Oh, it's working. So you got chill down before you hype back up. PJ, take us back to the club. Oh, we're building it back up here. This song is a builder. My number four song today on this episode is Cola by Camel Fat. This, to me, is the official DJ of the summer. Uh, Camel Fat, to me, is the name to know if you're going to the dance club this year. I think this song is going to be everywhere. Officially, this song is a 2017 release, but every electronic show I'm listening to is playing this song at least once in it. It is blown up. It is everywhere. It has become extremely mainstream. And I'm telling you, you need to know this song. I love it. it it's To me, it builds and builds and builds, and it's just... It's fun. It's it's just cool, I guess. You know, once again, we're back in the Armani store right now. And, uh, you know, I think the last two songs kind of mixed together, Disciples and Camel Fat. And I think that's right now where the scene is at. And I love these two songs. Very similar vibe. And just a little note on my end, it's cliche to say fat with a PH, but in this case, it's completely necessary. If you are trying to look at this artist as an artist to know, it's Camel Fat, one word, fat with a PH. Good point, Marco. And also, I mean... Camel with an F for fat would just not work. It wouldn't flow. Can't, I mean, that would look weird. No comment. <laughs> well, can you comment and tell me right now what your number four song is? It would be my pleasure. Number four for me is Del the Funky Homo Sapien and Amp Live with their song, Wheel of Fortune. I'm calm, but then that's the stormy weather. That's when I rain on you poor little ornery beggars. Fisticuffs just ain't the move. They too feeble, get a gun for safety use. Whether you're in the club or outside the club, today's all about beats, and we got another great beat on Wheel of Fortune. Uh, Amp Live with the production and Del the Funky Homo Sapien with the rapping. Uh, as a fun note, you might recognize his voice uh, from the rapping on the Gorilla song, Clint Eastwood. I never pursued any of his solo work, so this is the first time I saw a new album. The album is Gate 13. It's actually Dell and Amp Live together with all the tracks. Uh, very great album. This is my favorite off it. Well, yes, folks, it is more possible. It is possible to have a more ridiculous name in hip hop. This one, I think, outdoes Doctor Octagon. <laughs> Dell, the Funky Homo Sapien, is a heck of a name, and he does not disappoint. This song's really cool. I mean, I love the beat. This is probably my favorite beat of all the songs we've heard today in the hip hop side of the world here. 
it's simple and it just works when the guy can you know lay a really sick um lyrical verse on top of this beat and yet it still kind of sucks you in it's it's the two combine really well what's interesting is he goes he has a sweet like simple beat and then he breaks into this interesting reggae uh beat in the middle of the song yeah yeah there's a lot to listen to and i also just love uh dell's flow and just his voice sometimes rappers you know it's it's a lot about you know the beats is half of it the other half is the rapper itself sometimes you just there's a voice quality that you really like and probably it's from back in the day listening to gorillas like on repeat but i mean i just love the way he flows and so uh yeah a whole package here pj it's getting to 1.30 at night. Club's almost shutting down. What song you got for us? You know what? We're going to go out bigger than ever, Marco. I got a boomer to close it out at the club. We're going with I Want to Know by R.L. Grind and Daya. We're back. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. I <laughs> I had to close this out with just a big dance anthem. You know, you've been at the club. You're a little tired. You can't go chill anymore. You got to cut the triple chill down out and zero that down and just start booming it out here. And this song requires you to dance it out here to the end. This is a song that just by the end, you're just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to close it out strong. Yeah, this is a great marriage of pop and EDM, very popular genre right now, and this works. It doesn't always work for me, but I do enjoy this song. Great build-up and definitely fun song that you very much can dance to. Yeah, I like the female vocals a lot in this song, and there's just a huge drop, which is very uh, kind of in the wheelhouse of how this typically works, but I love the way the, the beat in the drop. He kind of twists and forms it so it's not just kind of a standard 4-4. He kind of mixes it in and out so that you really kind of have to work some extra dance moves in there as the drop hits. And, uh, I, yeah, it, to me, it gives me a lot of energy to close out the club on a really high note. Yeah, well, if you listen to episode six, we did a whole scenario masters about how to do the club. Now you have the songs and you have the dance moves. You're, you are ready for summer. And no harmonica, Marco. We got rid of the harmonica in Club club Weekend. <laughs> or at least I think we did. Did you bring the harmonica back with your fifth song? Uh, I did not. Uh, good question, though. My fifth song is definitely another summer jam. Maybe you're listening to it on the parking lot or on the drive home. It's Cardi B featuring J Balvin and Bad Bunny with I Like It. So this song is just pure fun. Uh, they sample the I Like It Like That by Pete Rodriguez is the original song. Great song in its own right. And honestly, this song does it justice. I love what Cardi B did with it. DJ thought she was a one-trick play. No, she's here for the long haul. Her whole album, uh, <laughs> Invasion of Privacy, is solid. And this is my favorite song off of it. Bonus info. 
featuring Jay Balvin and Bad Bunny. Do those names sound familiar, PJ? I've definitely heard the name Bad Bunny before, but I have no idea from where. It's from our podcast. This was a requested what? song. They oh, did Crippy Kush. Oh, yeah. So this is pretty much a superstar lineup with a club banger. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I'm not going to lie. I liked Crippy Kush a little more. That song was outrageous, and I loved it. This one, it is very of the moment. I mean, Cardi B, I mean, she is here to stay right now. She's not getting off. She has introduced a whole new style of hip-hop and taken over. And I think, at least on that level, it's cool because we just don't have enough big female hip-hop names out there. So I like having us mix it. I mean, since Missy Elliott, who else has been on the scene here? So, I mean, we got to build the portfolio up somehow. I mean, Nicki Minaj was huge for a while. There's Remy Ma. There's always been some. But, I mean, it is a very male-dominated field. And it's always good to have a new voice, like you said. So I'm with you right there. And, um, I mean, the original beat's so good. It's hard to screw it up, but I I don't think they didn't make it better. But they did a very you know good reincarnation for 2018 using the source material from Pete Rodriguez. So fun song you probably heard before, but you know what? I'm making you listen to it again. <laughs> Thank you, Marco. Appreciate it. That's right. We had five hip hop songs, five dance songs, and that's ten songs, people. Ten songs for episode seven. Double O seven. Triple chill. <laughs> Sorry, that didn't make sense at all right there. <laughs> Heck of a way to close it out, though, Marco. Never apologize for triple chill. <laughs> <laughs> and people, if you want double the songs here, we have five more songs apiece also in our Spotify Team Weekend playlist. So hopefully that holds the tie till episode eight. And with that, that's it, Marco. 007 is turning to 008 here very soon yes yes i i'm trying to think of a james bond reference but i'm just gonna have to chalk this up to our sub theme of math <laughs> i was gonna say no golden gun reference no shaking that nothing then i'm kind of tired out uh, i need a break maybe we'll get something <laughs> in a minute i don't know if we have the time yeah, uh, you know what? Maybe a 0014. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have another chance to break out James Bond again. Or episode 700. We can reverse good. it. Oh, that'd be so much better. <laughs> well, folks, that's it. Another podcast in the books. And we'll be back better than ever. 693 episodes till episode 700. James Bond returns. <laughs> Count them down, folks. Next time on the show, Team Weekend gets a new car. Come on, PJ. I got another email. I am not getting in that car, Marco. Did you even read the email? Sure. Did you even read the email, Marco? Yeah, he definitely didn't read the email. Later that day, Marco tries his hand at a new character. 
It's shaken, not stirred. You see? Marco, what voice is this now? If you guessed correctly, it would have been worth three points. It's my Timothy Dalton voice. First, I thought we were done with Bond for another 600 episodes. And second, what happened to the Connery Bond? Oh, he hasn't gone anywhere. I hate themed episodes. Team Weekend will be back better than ever. Peace out, podcast listeners. Listeners.